You'll have to forgive me because um, all week I've had a cold, so Monday kicked in and I was sick all week and then it went this morning, so thank you Jesus. I did actually send my notes to Dad and said, if I can't speak this morning, you will be. But his response was, I look forward to hearing you. So I was like, oh, great. Today we're going to be um, looking and, and summing up our series on economics that we started about four weeks ago. So I'm going to just do a sermon today and a summary of everything we've talked about and also going to add a new, new kind of concept in, into the picture. So I'm going to do a quick little overview and just go through what we've talked about since week one. So week one, Liz came and she talked to us and she talked about um, what ep- economics was. She talked about economics being the um, study of man's behavior in relation to their wants and resources. And she went through these three different points about the secrets of not wanting. The first one she talked about was seeking our needs from our shepherd, to give as our shepherd gives. And then the last point she talked about was to seek discernment from our shepherd on how much we should give. Second week, Mark talked about contentment. Now, if you haven't heard the sermon that Mark talked about on contentment, it's a good sermon. You should go listen to it on the website. I love the sermon about contentment because um, early on when I, when I used to work in, I uh, had a good, had a, not that my job isn't good now, Dad. Um, when I had a well-paid job, no. When I got paid more than I'm getting paid now, I had a, um, I had a struggle with contentment and I was always wanting more, getting more and, and wanted to, you know, get newer stuff and, and it was a real struggle for me. And God convicted me of that and I heard a sermon by my mate actually and that convicted me of that and um, from, since then it's been a, a real change. So Dad talked about three points as well, how we can help um, shape our lives to be content. And the first one he said was God owns everything. God controls everything and God provides everything for us. So there's no need to want anything more because God owns everything, he controls everything, and he's going to provide everything we need. We shouldn't need to want and to, and to want more. And that's totally different to the culture. Because our culture says, if you don't have what's new or you don't have what's in fashion now, you should get that. And you should look through all the glossy magazines like we brought in that, that day and all the articles that say, you, should, you know, there's new stuff and what's on special and what you should get. And we all want that stuff. And, you know, you used to turn on the TV and you see all the new fashion that's in, you want to wear those clothes and you want to have the hat to the side, and you want to have the bum bag? Is that? No, it's not cool. So all these things we want to do because we want to keep up with everyone. And last week, Mark talked about our spiritual gauge um, for looking at our wealth. And um, he went through the book of, actually, no, he went through the story of Zacchaeus. And he talked about, um, the main kind of point he talked about was fellowship with Jesus affects the way I handle wealth. And he talked about in the story of Zacchaeus and how when Zacchaeus met Jesus and Jesus asked him to give everything. And one kind of important thing I pulled out of that sermon, it said, if we seek God, we may be surprised on how clear we hear him. And specifically, if we seek God, we may be surprised on how, how, how much he hit, like we hear him and he says, I want you to give this much of your time, your resources, and what you have. And that's something that if you ever struggle of knowing what to give or how much to give, like Liz talked about in her sermon, on discern, asking God and seeking God for how much to give. If you ask God... And you open your wallet and say, God, how much do you want me to give? Quite often he'll speak audibly to you and you'll go, a what? So really seek God when you're discerning on how much to give and he will speak to you. So today I'm talking about something different. 
I'm talking about um, giving. And I'm not talking about you know, how much you should give or how to seek God to give. I'm kind of talking about the motivations of giving and what motivates us to give. Um, and to start us off, there's lots of different motivations that you know, help us give. And you know, we get a good feeling when we give to people, we help someone out, we see a situation that we give to and it, and it changes the situation. We help fix something from our giving. But there's also some things that um, Jesus laid out in the Word which can help us on how we should be motivated to give. So first of all, I just want to start with a story, something that happened to me recently. And um, in preparing for the sermon, I was thinking about some illustrations I could use. And then as I was thinking about it, this illustration popped in my head and I was like, oh, why did I do that? That's a perfect illustration. So anyway, what happened was I was at home and I was sitting at my computer and I was doing some website work and I was typing away, I had my headphones on. And then um, I heard this bang, bang, bang on the door. And I thought, I wonder who that is. There's no one. We don't usually get people knocking on the door. So I went to the door and I, I had just a quick little peek out of the blinds, as you do, because, you know, if it's you know, certain people you might not answer the door for. If you see, like, an Energex or Telus, you might go, eh, see ya. So I had a quick, quick little look, and there was a guy, and he had his shirt done up real, like, fancy, and he was a young kid. Like, you know, they wear their shirts up like this now. And he had his hat sideways. He had a bum bag on. And uh, he was standing there. And I thought, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll open the door, see what he's got to say. So I opened the door. And as I opened the door, he, he's big smile. And he's like, how are you going today? And I was like, yep, good. And kind of, what are you here for? Um, and then I saw on his shirt, he had a badge and it said Special Olympics. I'm like, okay. Anyway, so he starts talking to me about how the Special Olympics, they need people to give. They need people to give money because they help the, Olympic, um, the athletes get over to, to London, wherever they, where it's at at the moment. And um, so he's running through all this different thing, and I'm sitting there going, okay, all right. And then he starts going through the different amounts of money I can give. He said, you can give $10, you can give $30, you can give $100. There's a $500 gift you can give or 1000 And he said, everyone in the street's been so generous. Everyone's been giving so much. I was like, well, I'm pretty sure you're not going to get my 1000 or my 500 I'm probably not going to get my 100 And I was sitting there, and he's talking to, to, to me, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking, there's a couple of thoughts going in my head. I'm thinking, maybe, how do I know this guy's legit? Like, how, how do I know it's not fraud, you know? If he's going to get my credit card details, how do I know he's just not going to take whatever I've got in there? And so I'm thinking that in my head, and also I'm thinking, oh, like I wasn't really feeling the, the passion to give, right? Anyway, so he could sense that, I think. He sensed that, oh, I'm not, not going to, this guy's not really going to give me much. And so he said, oh, I know what, I know what I'm going to give you. And he opened his bum bag and he pulled out a little booklet. And he said, if you spend $30, I'll give you this booklet. And in this booklet has these little vouchers for like Shell Service Station that have like, you know, drinks and packets of chips and magazines and muesli bars and all this stuff. There's about $30 worth of value in there. And I was like, Boom, why didn't you say that to start with? I'll give you $30. You give me a voucher book of $30 of stuff I wouldn't normally be allowed to buy. And then, like, I feel good about giving. And so, like, it's a win-win. So I was like, sign me up. So I went into, the, into my office and got my credit card. Um, I actually, while I was in the office, did a quick little Google search on the company it came from. So make sure, yep, look legit. The Olympics, yep, they're teaming up together. So I knew it wasn't fraud. And so I gave him my $30 and got the booklet. So as I was preparing for this, this sermon, 
and I was trying to think about illustrations of what motivates us to give, I was just like, why did I do that? Because my motivation was to give based on what I was getting back. My motivation was to give them based on the reward I was getting back. And sometimes, like in our community, we allow our compassion to be driven by what we see happening from our giving or what we see coming back in a reward. What I mean by what we see happening by giving, you might give to something and you might see that that need be fixed or something changed in someone's life or your time made a difference somewhere. And, but also with that, with that comes an opposite kind of idea as well. And that's if we don't see a change or as that guy, if he didn't give me that little booklet, I probably wouldn't have given. So my compassion, my generosity would have shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. And I probably wouldn't have given anything. And so if we don't see change sometimes from our giving, we probably wouldn't give as much because, oh, I can't see any change happening from that. So sometimes our motivation is based on these things we feel or see happening or results. But the compassion that Jesus talks about is so different. It's radically different. And we're going to go through a passage of Scripture today, and it's going to talk about how Jesus asks us to give. And some of us, might, when we're reading through this, might go, what? You're asking us to do what? And that's the kind of response Jesus is wanting to get from us. And this is the kind of motivation Jesus is asking us to have in relation to giving in our generosity. If you want to turn to your Bibles to Luke 6, and we're going to start read through Luke 6. I'm going to put the verse up on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles there, turn to it and you can read through as we go. And as we read through, I'm just going to talk about each verse and kind of bring out some different things I'm, I'm seeing in the verses as we're going through it. So you go Luke chapter 6, and verse 27 is where we want to start. All right, let's start. Luke, 27, oh, Luke 6, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who mistreat you. I don't know about you, but Jesus, I don't, I don't hardly... Give to those people that I love most of the time. I forget to give to the people I love most of the time. I don't know you, but I don't pray for some of those people most of the time that are close to me or that are surround me and I love, let alone the people that mistreat me or let alone bless the people that curse me. This is a bit different. And Jesus is saying, yep, this is different. I'm inviting you into something different. Let's continue. Verse 29. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. So if someone slaps you on the cheek, they're not talking about your friend here. This is talking about your enemy. If someone slaps you on the cheek, this is your enemy. All right? This is someone that's probably not a very nice person to you. And if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. So if someone's taking my coat, that's not, I'm not, there's no giving in that. There's no generosity in me giving. If so, they're taking my coat from me. That's, they're, they're stealing my coat. They're taking it from me. And Jesus is saying, and I want you to give him this shirt as well. This is, this is really different. And um, I don't know about you, but if someone was to take my shirt I'd, or my jacket or what I owned, I'd, the first thing I'd be do, to do would be say, give me back what is mine. That's not what Jesus is asking us to do here. And then he says in verse 30, Give to everyone who asks. 
Give to everyone who asks, and if anyone takes what belong, belongs to you, do not demand it back. Now, let's just read that first bit. Give to everyone who asks. So this is not giving to people because we can see a need or we can see there needs to be some kind of change in these people's life or, or we can see that um, our, our giving of our time or our money is going to help a situation. This is just giving to everyone who asks. Everyone. And he's saying, if someone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And I don't know about you, but this is kind of radical thinking, Jesus, because this is totally different to our culture. And this is totally different to what we're brought up to do. This is, this is a bit different. And Jesus is saying, yeah, this is something different. I'm inviting you into something different. I'm inviting you to a different kind of generosity, a greater generosity. And it's not about giving more. It's about giving differently. And then he gives a, an overriding kind of application. And you would have heard this verse before. He says, do to others as you would have them do to you. We've heard that before, haven't we? Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Let me just read that again. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Um, this is, it's interesting because... Like, as I said, we struggle to give to people that we don't like. Or we struggle to give to people that don't like us in return or hate us or are enemies. And Jesus is saying, if we just give to those we love, what credit is that to you? This is interesting, Jesus. Um, and, so, and then he says, and even sinners love those who love you. And verse 33. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. So this is really kind of different teaching that Jesus is teaching us here. He's really kind of different. He's saying, so if we just ask Jesus and say, Jesus, what I think you're saying is you want me to do good, to give to, to be generous to people that are my enemies, people that if they had the chance to, they wouldn't even do something good for me. And Jesus is saying, yep. So you want me to do good to, to give to, to be generous to people that could just turn my gift or turn my time and, and turn around and say and abuse it and maybe misuse it or be ungrateful or not be thankful for what I, the gift I've given. Jesus is saying, I'm inviting you into something different. This is a diff, different kind of giving, a different kind of generosity. Let's go to verse 34. And if you lend to those whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. So in other words, simply lending to someone and expecting to get that back, everybody does that. You don't have to be a God-fearing person to do that. Jesus is saying you don't have to be a theologian to do that. Everyone does that. Look at our bank system. People love to give to people that are going to get something back in return. Don't you get a good feeling when you give to someone, knowing they're grateful for it and they're going to give something back? But Jesus is saying, what credit is that to you? What credit is that to you? Jesus is saying, look, this is kind of opposite thinking. I'm inviting you into something different. Let's go to verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them, 
and lend to them without expecting to get anything back in return. Let me read that again. Verse 35. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back in return. See, our problem is that when we give, we're always looking for something in return. Or we're always looking to see if what we gave fixed the scenario. And that kind of gives us a good feeling when we see something being fixed from our giving. Or we see our, when we put our time into something or our money into something. And a result of our giving, you know, someone's life's changed. Or something's changed from our giving. And if we don't see that, and we don't see that change, or we don't see someone being grateful for our giving our generosity kind of shrinks and our generosity kind of diminishes. And we probably don't want to give as much because oh, it's being misused or it's, they sold what I gave them, they use it for a different purpose. And Jesus is saying, don't ask for anything back in return. So we're kind of understanding this concept Jesus is taking us on now, aren't we? We're getting this idea of what Jesus is asking of us. Middle of verse 35 then your reward will be great. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure Jesus said, don't expect anything back. And then he says, then your reward will be great. This is a reward? Okay, so I'm giving to someone who can't give me anything back. There's no reward there. I'm giving to someone who might not be grateful for my giving and might misuse my giving. There's no reward there. I'm doing good to someone who might not express gratitude towards me. There's no reward there. So where am I looking for my reward? Am I looking for my reward from the environment in which I'm giving to? Or am I looking to my, um, for my reward from the one whom the reward comes from? And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to look into the environments in which you're giving to. I don't want you to look towards the people you're giving to, or the families you're giving to, or the needs you're giving to, or where your time's being put in. He's saying, I want you to look to the one who gives the reward. Then your reward will be great, and you'll be children of the Most High. So what he's saying is you'll be children of the Most High. You'll be the most like God when you give like this. You know, it won't be God. You'll be the most reflective of God when you give like this. So this is a brand new way of thinking that Jesus is inviting us to. He's saying he's... He's our, by our giving like this, it's, it's putting us in this status or it's putting us in this place where the most, we're children of the Most High, the most like God. So what Jesus is saying here, our motivation for giving isn't what we receive back from other people, but our motivation to give should be something that reflects Jesus and makes us more like him. And Jesus says, yep, that's what I'm getting at. This is where I'm taking you. End of verse 35. Because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. So wow. So here, Jesus is saying, the more we give to the ungrateful, who might misuse our gifts or might, um, mis- do, might not do what we think we're going to do with our giftings, with the gifts we give them, or the more we give to the wicked who may abuse our gifts or might not be grateful for our gifts, then the more we're like you, the more we're like Jesus, because that's how you gave when I was wicked. Like, 
That's how I was. And Jesus is saying, this is the the exact kind of idea that I want you to take out of this. And our generosity shouldn't be driven by the need. Once we come back again, our generosity shouldn't be driven by the need or shouldn't be driven by what we're going to get in return, but it should be driven by being reflective of our Heavenly heavenly Father. He wants us to give like the Heavenly Father gave for us. Verse 36. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. So God forgave you, but you necessarily haven't forgiven everyone in your life that's done something wrong against you, have you? So Jesus didn't come to me or God didn't come to me and say, Nathan, I'm going to give you forgiveness. I'm going to give it to you for three years. Three years. I'm going to give you forgiveness for three years. And that's like a kind of probation period. If after that three years, if you haven't forgiven everyone that you should have forgiven or you know, you've held grudges against, or if you're not at that standard I think you should be at, after three years, I'm taking that gift away from you. Jesus didn't, God didn't do that, did he? No, he was merciful. So we should give how God gave. God showed, um, showed amazing mercy. So Jesus invited us to be merciful, and he wants us to be generous just as our Father in heaven was generous. And this is, we should be reflective of how God was generous and how his generosity was. Verse 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Will be forgiven by who? By God. Give, and it will be given to you. It will be given to you by who? By God. Not by the environments we're giving to. By God. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured out onto your lap. For where you're me- for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you don't know what that, that last little bit means, where it says a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, that means like the bucket had some, some wheat put in it, and it was pushed down, pressed in, it was shaken around and more put in it. It was full. So he's saying, give and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. It's going to be abundant. That's what Jesus is saying. So this is the, the end of the, the passage we're going to look at. And so when we tie all these things up and we bring it all back to what God's asking us to do, is Jesus is asking us here, he's saying, stop looking in the direction on which you're giving to. Stop looking in the direction of the need you can see or my, where my time's going and what that should be doing and what that, that change that should happen from my, you know, giving my time or my money. Stop looking at the results of what's coming back to you or what you think should happen of all that. And he's saying, give your time and your money to be reflective of how I gave to you. Not based on results, or not based on if they're grateful or not. But that's how I gave to you. See, Jesus died on the cross so everybody could have salvation. But not everyone has taken salvation. So Jesus, he died for everyone, those that would have salvation and those that wouldn't. And this is the kind of giving that, that Jesus wants us to reflect, wants us to be merciful, and wants us to be gracious in our giving. And it's, As I said before, it's a greater type of giving. It's not about giving more. 
It's just about giving differently because this is how God gave to us and we need to be reflective of that. As I was um, as preparing for the sermon and as I was thinking what could sum it up, and it was only last night, so I hadn't even in this in my sermon notes or anything and I just had this, idea, this, this thought come in my head of something I'd heard before, a story I'd heard before. And I thought it, it, um, it just really encapsulated this whole kind of message. And I'm just going to give you a real brief... I've got the whole story written out. I'm not going to read it all because it's fairly lengthy. If you want to go in the, into the actual details, you can go on the web and probably find it. It's a true story, though. And it starts with a, a pastor, and he's in London. And he's preaching at a church in London. And as he comes to the end of the sermon, um, a man puts his hand up and says, I've got something to share. I've got a testimony to share. Can I share it? And the pastor said, okay, you've got three minutes. Sound like anyone? Um, so the, the guy got up after his sermon and he, he gave this testimony. He said, um, yeah, I think it was, he, the week before he was in Sydney and he was walking down George Street and a little white-haired man jumped out, gave him a track and said, are you saved? If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And he said, I was so disturbed by this. So when I, on the way back on the plane to London, I got back there and I called my friend and I said, this what happened, and he was a Christian, and, he, and I got converted, and now I'm a Christian. And so this pastor heard the story of this guy's testimony. And a little, little while later, uh, probably about a week later, he flew to Adelaide, this pastor was in London, to um, have a meeting with another, another church. And while he was there, um, at a conference, I think it was, a lady came up from afterwards and had you know, something she wanted counseling with. And so as he was talking to her, he wanted to kind of gauge how she became a Christian, if she was a Christian or if she, where she was at. And she said, oh, just three weeks ago, I was in Sydney and I was doing some shopping and I was going down George Street. And this little white-haired man jumped out, gave me a track and said, if you died tonight, are you Christian? If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And she goes, this disturbed me. So when I got back to, to Adelaide, I talked to one of my friends. She was a Christian and I just got converted a little while ago, a week ago. So anyway, he flew home and he was talking at some conventions back in London. And after he was, he was talking in this convention, he, um, he shared some of these testimonies that he had heard of. And there was like two or three pastors that came up afterwards and said, that same little old man, that's how I got converted. And this was not like a couple of weeks ago. These guys were pastors and this was 10 or 15 years ago. A little bit later on, he was talking in the Caribbean and he was at another conference and he shared the same testimony again. And then some more people came up to him and said, I could be converted by this guy as well. And this was at a Christian conference for, for church pastors there and they had the same story. So this guy's going, man, this testimony, this guy, this, this, something, what's happening here is amazing. He went later on, went to Atlanta, Georgia, and he was talking to a, a naval chaplain convention. And there's a thousand chaplains there. And at the end of it, the guy that runs the whole chaplain, chaplaincy for the, the, the Navy, he, he came to them and he took them out for dinner. And he said, um, you know, how did you become a Christian? He said, well, a little while ago, I was doing um, work on, on one of the boats and we docked in at Sydney. And I was a reckless man. And one night I was drunk and I got on the wrong bus. I went down the wrong street, got off on George Street. And this little white-haired man put a brochure in front of my face and said, are you a Christian? If you died tonight, would you go to heaven? And so I said, that's how I became a Christian. So now I, pre- I prepared for the ministry and now I'm in charge of, you know, a thousand chaplains. 
later on, a couple of weeks later, he was in India speaking to 5,000 missionaries. And he shared this same testimony again. And he had like, he had a whole heap of these people come up to him and, 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 he, and say that's how they were saved as well. And the head of the Indian the mission organization, which had all these um, missionaries there, he had dinner with him and he said, that same little old man, that's how I got converted. So anyway, this London preacher ended up getting back to Sydney sometime, sometime down the track. And he went to the little Baptist church in Sydney somewhere and said, do you know of this little white-haired man that would go along George Street handing out tracts? And he said, yes, that's Mr. Jenner. And so he's like, oh. And he told him about the amazing testimonies he'd heard from this guy. And he said, well, we'll go meet him. So a couple of days later, they went and um, they knocked on his door and this little fragile um, little man came to the door and he wasn't, he wasn't on the streets anymore. He was, too, he was too weak to get out on the streets and give out tracts. And so they... Um, they sat with them and they gave him a cup of tea and spent some time with them. And then he started telling them about all the testimonies he'd heard. And the little man said that in his time, when he was, he was um, a reckless, reckless guy back in his time, and one of the guys that he used to spend time on a ship with, um, who he used to give absolute hell to, um, was a Christian. And he, like when he was in his roughest time, came to him and shared the gospel to him and he got saved. And he said, I made a promise of God that every day I would share the gospel with at least 10 people. And so since then, which was 40 years ago or 50 years ago, he said, every day I would, I would share the gospel for at least 10 people. And on the days that I couldn't, I would make up for it in other times. And so he said, and in my later years, the most um, time when I found the most you know, gratitude from people receiving these tracts was on George Street. And and they did the tally up of how many people this guy would have, would have shared the gospel to or witnessed to. There's 147,000 people over a 30 or 40 year period that this guy had shared his testimony to. And he said, until now, I have never once heard of anyone coming to Christ from that. So in this 40 years of him giving, he had never heard of any fruit from his giving. And this is a perfect story. When I, when I remembered it, I thought, isn't this just exactly how God wants us to give? He wants us to give without seeing the fruit of what we're giving or without seeing the direct impact that our giving might be. So, so often we want, to, we want to throw the seeds out, we want to grow the seeds, and we also want to harvest at the same time. But God's saying, just throw the seeds out. Like, be, be a giver like I'm, I gave to you. That's how I want you to give. And so that kind of sums up the idea I was talking about today about how Jesus is asking us to give greater, a different kind of giving that Jesus is inviting us to. And it's powerful, isn't it? When we give like Jesus gave to us. It's a different kind of giving. It's a different reason for giving. And so as we finish this, this series of economics, um, next week we have our workshop. And if you haven't signed up to come to that workshop, come to that workshop because we're not just going to be talking about more information that you can grab these concepts a little bit more or try and understand giving a bit more, but we're actually going to be putting some of this into practice. And it's not going to be just um, theory, but we're going to start doing some of these things and giving our God wants us to give, to not just the people in our church, but also people in our community. So I just want to pray now and, and close in prayer and, and um, just take this message. And if you, 
And if you feel compelled on, on, on how you know, God wanted you to give and you feel convicted that you haven't been giving, just remember, this is, this is how Jesus gave. And the only thing we have to do is be reflective of what, how he gave for us, how his generosity was. Let's just pray. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this morning and, and we can read your word and you can, we can read even how, um, how complicated this message is or how much it really hits us and it's just so counterculture to our, our culture is. But we would um, read the words and we would obey you, Lord Jesus. We would learn to give differently, Lord. You invite us to a different type of giving and we just pray that, and you, we just ask that you would help us to give like you gave. It's not easy because we live in this world of culture and it's, we, we want to see fruits and we want to see what's coming back and we want to see results. But that's not how you gave for us, Lord. And we just thank you for the gift of salvation that you gave for us. And then you died on the cross to save us from our sins, Lord. And that, that act of um, generosity you gave for us, Lord. So we just thank you today, Lord, for this message. We thank you that you can empower us to give like you, Lord. And we just ask you to bless us today and the rest of this week. In your name, amen.